Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Simple Church. My name's Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here. And actually, uh, as you probably guessed, because I'm in this digital format, I'm actually not there today. Uh, But I'm very excited that you are here, and I want to take care of a couple things before I introduce to you who is speaking today. First, if it's your first time here, this round of applause is for you. Come on, Simple Church. Let's greet our guests and let them know that we're glad they're here today. Now, if it is your first time here, or maybe you've been hanging out with us for a while and haven't done this yet, I want to invite you to reach into the seat back in front of you and pull out what's called our connection card. If you'll take a moment to fill that out at any time during the service today and turn it in at the Connect Center, which you'll see right there in the auditorium. Uh, If you'll turn it in there, we have a gift we would love to give you. We would love to meet you, and we would love to be part of your spiritual journey in some way. That Connect card is the greatest way for us to begin that journey with you so we can know a little bit about you. We can answer any questions you have about how to become a member of this church, what is Simple Church all about. You can learn all of that by stopping at the Connect Center. and then also want to share a couple things that are coming up for you to, uh, this in the next couple weeks. First of all, next weekend, May 22nd at 6 p.m., Simple Church is celebrating that we are turning nine. The birthday shindig will be right here in this building from 6 to 8 p.m. There's going to be cake, a cake contest, which if you want to enter into the cake contest, you can design and decorate a cake with any theme you'd like to. And there will be some great prizes given out to the winner of that contest. All cake entries must be in the building by 5.45 p.m. Then we will judge those cakes, and then we will eat those cakes. We're going to have tons of games and prizes, and there's even a show that you're not going to want to miss put on by one of my favorite entertainers in the world. Uh, Be here for the birthday shindig, May 22nd at 6 p.m. Then the following weekend, May 29th, we're doing child dedications again. If you have not dedicated your child and you'd like to be part of that, you can stop by the Connect Center to inquire about how to sign up for that. Or if you already have the Church Center app, you can go right on the Church Center app and under the Events tab, you'll find Child Dedications is a live uh, event that you can click on and register your family and your child to participate in that event. All right. I've shared everything I need to share at this point. Let me introduce you to our guest speaker today. Corbin Huffman leads Life Change Church in Newark. Corbin is somebody that I love dearly as a friend. He's one of my favorite people to hang out with. Uh, We have been walking together for, well, nearly more than a decade at this point. And uh, I just enjoy him. I enjoy his family. I've ministered several times at his church and his congregation is a very loving Uh, and an an accepting environment, just like Simple Church. In fact, I feel like if you walked in there, you might feel just like you were at home. 
But uh, I am so excited that Corbin is here today. Corbin is one of those people who is a kingdom builder and not a castle builder. And he invests a lot of his time, his talent, and his energy into pastors and church planters coaching pastors on how to grow their churches and church planners on how to get started. And he specializes in the area of finance. He also sits on the Venture Multiplication Network board with me, which is a church planning organization. And, uh, and, and I just love this guy. He's incredibly generous with all that he has, and I can't wait for you to meet him. Please welcome Corbin Huffman as he comes to share God's word today. Awesome. Well, hey, I am super excited to be here today, and uh, that intro was fantastic. I was actually just going to come up here and make fun of Aaron, but now I almost feel bad to do that since that intro was so good, though. But Aaron and I do, we go uh, way back, and so we go back to about 10 years ago. He, I was actually on the launch team at a C3 church, and then he came through C3, and then through that, we've connected multiple times. We've done a couple of trips together. Last year, we got to go to San Diego together. It was amazing. And then uh, a couple years back, we went to Honduras together. And I'm just going to share one story about Honduras with, with him and I. If you know anything about your pastor, he is an amazing guy, he's hilarious, and he's a great entertainer. And he's great at magic. But what he doesn't like is if you call a magician a clown. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but just try it out. He instantly gets red in the face. There's a vein that pops out like he's about to go off. So we're together. We have this group of guys. And he ends up, we're out to dinner. And he ends up going to the restroom. And I say, hey, guys, here's something about Aaron you don't know. He's a clown. Right? He does clown work. He does all these different things. And, like, and I had him getting all excited about it. I'm like, ask him about his clown work. Ask him where he went to clown college at. So he comes back, and these guys, they, they ask him questions about it, and he's just getting livid. He, he's starting to get real angry, starting to get red in the face, and he's like, I'm not a clown. I'm a magician. And then, I, then he just looks at me and just starts dying laughing. He knows that I put him up to it. But if you had a chance, do that, right? Mess with him a little bit, right? Mess with your pastor sometimes. But he's an amazing guy, and just, I'm honored to be here. Again, my name is Corbin Huffman. I'm the pastor at Life Change Church. It's a church in uh, Newark, Ohio. We actually started a year behind you guys. So what's been amazing about watching Simple Church and watching Aaron and watching your leadership team is that you guys were always kind of just uh, right there. And a lot of times when we started, I would have a problem, and I could go to Aaron and be like, hey, yeah, we just did that like 12 months ago. This is how you do it. And so he was able to coach me through some things as well. And so he's been a, a great connection. In fact, he's been just an amazing resource as well. Again, if you don't know a little bit anything about my story, uh, last year I was uh, a little crazy and I enjoy mountain biking. And I went down a, a hill and I, I often do this, but it was a downhill park with some jumps and ramps. And I went off a 10-foot ramp and, well, I just went off it and didn't land it. So I landed on my face instead, and so I was, I actually walked out of the hill that I landed on, and I drove, I had my buddy drive me to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, they found out that I was internally decapitated. So they had to life flight me. Like, just so you know, Newark, Ohio is not equipped for internal decapitations. <laughs> so, you know. so they had to life flight me to Riverside. I get to Riverside, I spent 15 days in Riverside, and uh, they're all looking at me like, uh, you're a miracle. Like, 85% of those people are dead on instant. The next 10% die on the way to the hospital, and the rest that may live are usually paralyzed. And today, I'm walking around, um, coaching my kids' baseball team, right? And I'm preaching back in church, and I get to preach here 
because of the power and the miracle of, of who God is and what he does. So those songs today, he resurrected us from the dead. It's more than just songs. It's their real life. Right? And he does that for us. He did that for Jesus. And yet Jesus then connected us back to him. Right? So he can do that in our life. And he did it for me. And again, Aaron was actually one of the ones that preached multiple times for me while I was out for, uh, for a number of months recovering from that. So I'm just grateful that today I get to return the favor. And I was a little mad at Aaron. I said, hey, you know what? The last time I preached was like in your first year when you were actually still meeting in the funeral home. Like I didn't really want to have to go through an internal decapitation to be asked back. So like... <laughs> But I'm grateful to be here. Again, I think we have a picture of my family, too. And so this is my family. This is my wife and my two kids. So I have a, a nine-year-old son. His name's Griffin. I have a 10-year-old daughter named Berkeley, and then my wife, Sarah. Sarah is preaching today at Life Change Church. So we co-preached before. This is the first time where we've let her preach by herself. And, um, well, I'm a little nervous because she's kind of a spitfire, and you never know what she's going to say, and there's just no controlling her. So... We could be in trouble. We'll see where that lands. And, and then uh, today, my son has a, a doubleheader in baseball. So that's kind of our life. And we, uh, we enjoy things like that. We enjoy going, uh, just really connecting together. And as we've learned this past year, man, life, life can be short. So we just definitely spend a lot of time together connecting with each other. And so I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to jump back in this message that you guys have been in entitled Baited. So as we start off, I just want to ask you guys a question. So I'm going to play a little game. How many of you have ever played Jenga before? Right? Raise your hand if you played. All right. So you know that this is a pretty fun game. And then you know that, that what I have here is going to fall because of something, right? Hold up. Let me fix it. So this is Jumbling Tower because, well, like I said, I'm a church planner. So when we start this, we don't have the money for actual Jenga. They charge like $40 for that, right? But when you play Jenga, what do you guys do? The first move, you want to go towards the base, right? So you pick off one of those, then you put it back. And I'll tell you one thing about Jenga. So I'm actually not good at it. If you can tell, I actually have shaky hands. I've always had shaky hands. And then give me a coffee and give me like some Roosevelt coffee that has a little more caffeine in it. It gives me a little jacked. So we go through it. You pick that up. I would always pick the bottom, but then I'd go try to go through the top a little bit more because, I, again, shaky hands. So I would go maybe that middle one, and then people would see my shaky hands and realize that I'm about to break. But then they would continue to go for the base because the base is where you want to get to. Because if you get the base to where you're just sitting on one, any move, anything could really cause the crash. It could cause the crumble. And I think many times this is where we live in life. A lot of times in life, we go through life, and yeah, we're set up solid, but things come, kind of come and attack us, and they really attack us at our base. And if our foundation gets to where we're just one, if our foundation gets to where it's not so strong, we get a little bit shaky, right? We get a little bit wobbly, and a lot of times in life, we live wobbly. So if I try to pull that, it crashes down. And again, I think a lot of time in our life, this is how we live. We live like a Jenga pile. We live like a Jenga stack, and many times our foundation is a little unsteady. And when something happens, when we go through a struggle, when we go through a trial, it's easy for us to crash down. And one of the things that can crash us is an offense. I mean, think about it. What happens when we get offended? Oftentimes, we hold on to that offense. Oftentimes, we grab onto that. 
So much so that it shakes every area of life. So much so that it really gets us down to our core so that everything else crashes down. And listen, if you think about it, an offense has probably caused you to quit something before. Right? In church, you've seen this before. I know many people who have quit church or they've gone to another church, not because God called them to go to church, not because God called them out of a church, but because they were offended by someone or something. Often we have this in our life. Listen, for me, part of my story is that I left the ministry. I was a, I was a youth pastor for a couple years. I was a youth pastor from really like 2004 to about 2006. And I was on staff for two years. And then what had happened was some leadership changed and did something that I didn't necessarily agree with. And so I actually got offended and walked away from ministry. I walked away hurt. I walked away from what was actually my calling. I walked away from what I actually went to college for, right? Why? Because I was offended of something that happened. What's amazing is God can oftentimes rebuild those offenses, though, just so you know. God can take those offenses that maybe you hold on to, he can work through, he can heal you, he can get you through a process so that you can actually rebuild and do this all again. But I think many times we hold on to it. I think many times we go through this and we leave things that we're never called to leave because of an offense. I think I've heard this before, some people are like, oh, I'm just on loan to this church, or I'm only here for a season. And why? Because it's the easy out. They're holding on to an offense, knowing that, you know what, I could be offended at this place too, so I'm not going to stay here too long. And pretty soon, that's what happens. They move to the next, and they move on and on. And pretty soon, you've seen this. Maybe you've done this or gotten through a season of life before, or maybe you know somebody that's done this, where they go from church to church, and pretty soon, they're not going to church at all. Pretty soon, the foundation that they have, that community that they have is no longer there. So when a storm comes up, they crash down. And so that happens in churches. It happens in relationships, too. And I've seen many, many relationships, whether it's family relationships, they're broken because people are holding on to an offense. Marriages are broken because they're holding on to offense. Some of you may have gone through a divorce because you were holding on to an offense. Some of you are a product of divorce because of an offense. I think for some of us, what we've gone to is we've given up on a relationship because we're not willing to give up on an offense. And because of that, we've lost family members, we've lost We've lost close loved ones that are supposed to be there for us, and we're supposed to be there for them. It's what happens when our foundation is shaken. It's what happens when we don't have a firm foundation. In fact, here's what I want us to understand today. Without a firm foundation, we're a prime candidate to be caught in the trap of offense. Without a firm foundation, we're a prime candidate to be baited. And when we're baited, when we're baited into offense, it destroys our relationships, it deteriorates our faith, and it can ruin our life. It can cause us to crumble. So today we're going to talk through that and talk about how we have a firm foundation and how our foundation has to be who Christ is. And we see a great example of this in a guy in the Bible. It's a guy named Peter. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend a bunch of time going through a bunch of verses where we see Peter and we learn about him 
And for me, I'm always a, I'm an advocate of the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. I think it's a great way to take the Bible with you wherever you go. And I'm also an advocate that you should read your Bible every single day. Like, don't just wait for a Sunday morning. I know Aaron believes this too. Like, you are a church that believes in the Bible. You are a church that needs to apply the Bible to everything you say and do. You have growth groups developed for this. So I want to challenge you. Read your Bibles, not just on a Sunday morning, and read your Bibles every single day and dig into stuff, right? Dig into even what I'm saying today. Don't trust it. Go in and actually dive into it as well. But if you look at it, Peter, we're going to look at him. He was one of the followers of Jesus. In fact, he was one of the 12 disciples. He was one of the closest followers of Jesus. They're called disciples or apostles. And before Peter was uh, actually following Jesus, he was named Simon. So he's Simon Peter, and this guy was a little aggressive. If you know anything about him, he was like the total type A personality. He's a guy that was like all or nothing. And this really carried over into how he followed Jesus. And we see this in the story that we're going to jump into in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. It says this, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. If you look at this moment, this is kind of one of those intense moments. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. He's hanging out with his closest followers, and he's asking, like, hey, who am I? Who do people say I am? He's trying to find their foundation. He's trying to find where everything else rests upon. He's seeing that their foundation is really in the miracles that he's doing. He's looking at them. He's asking, is the, is the, the foundation based on just the, the teachings that I'm teaching, the healings that he's doing, the casting out of demons? Is it all based on the show, or does it go a little deeper? Right? It's a pretty intense moment. And I'm sure the disciples probably felt this. They probably were with him thinking like, uh, Jesus, we've been with you the whole time. We know who you are. You're the guy that's with us each and every day. So they, they, answer, they answer the question. They say, say, some people say that you're Eliza. Some people say that you're Jeremiah. Some people say that you're one of the prophets, right? But then Jesus digs a little bit deeper. He's like, but what about you? Jesus always comes to this moment where he's locating our hearts. He did it with his disciples. He does it with us. If you haven't had one of those moments, it's coming. Trust me. He's digging in and says, who do you say I am? What about you? He's bringing them true to this true realization of what they did and did not know. He's showing that, yeah, for many times, they're living off the speculations of what others are saying rather than establishing a firm foundation. And if you live off that, this, really what others are saying, if you live off of that, oftentimes your foundation will be a little bit off. And then he gets to Simon Peter. And Simon Peter again goes all in. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. If you look at it, Peter was declaring his foundation. And here's how Jesus replied to him, verse 17. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jodah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Jesus says, you're blessed because you have a foundation built on who I am. You have a foundation not built on what others say, not built on what others think, but on who God actually is and what God revealed to you. Then he goes on and says this, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus tells Peter that, you know what? You're about to build big things. Big things are going to happen because you have a good foundation, because your foundation is on me. Jesus knew that Peter was grounded, and he knew that, yeah, offense is going to come, but he's not going to take that bait. He's not going to be baited because of his foundation. Again, without a firm foundation, we're a prime candidate to be baited. We're a prime candidate to be caught in the trap of offense. And if you've learned one thing from this series, I hope you understand that offense is coming. Right? Offense is coming. You will be offended. Right? You've been offended probably already. Guess what? You're going to be offended again. You're probably going to be offended by somebody in this room. You might be offended by somebody right now. That's why you're on this side of the room and they're on this side, right? But you're going to be offended by something. It happens. I mean, if you look at Jesus, Jesus even offended everybody he came across. If Jesus is going to offend people, us as followers of of him, us that are imperfect, us that mess up each and every day, we're going to offend people as well. I mean, Jesus offended people. I think a lot of times we just think of Jesus as like the, hey, hanging out with children, smiling all the time, saying I love you, and it's just this, all this kumbaya stuff, which some of that is true. But if you look at it, Jesus, Jesus dropped some truth bombs as well. Jesus offended people, and he offended many people. Right? He offended the religious leaders. He offended his own hometown. He offended his family. He offended, he offended really his followers. Right? And anyone that didn't have a firm foundation are the ones that walked away. Anyone that didn't have a firm foundation are actually the ones that tried to crucify him and sent him to the cross to die. Right? Jesus offended everybody. In fact, we'll just look at it a little bit. Right? He, he offended the religious leaders. He actually called them hypocrites, serpents, and brood of vipers. Now, I don't know about you, but brood of vipers, is, we need to bring that back. Like, that's some biblical cursing right there. Like, you don't like somebody to cut you off. You brood of viper! Come on. But this is what Jesus did. Like, he flipped over tables at the temple towards the religious leaders. And he didn't care what they thought, right? He didn't care if it hurt their feelings. He didn't care if it rubbed them the wrong way. In fact, we see this. Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 14 says this. He says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. These are some pretty harsh words. Like Jesus never held back when he talked to them. He never held back when he talked to the religious leaders. And he offended them. In fact, the disciples pointed out, verse 12 goes on. It says, then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And he replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Here's Jesus. He offended the Pharisees. He didn't even care. In fact, his response was almost even more offensive. He basically says, you know what? We're just weeding these people out. Because sometimes that's what offense does. It weeds out who has a foundation and who doesn't. And these Pharisees, these religious leaders, their foundation wasn't stable. They were caught up too much in themselves. They were caught up too much in the rules and regulations that they were placing on others, so much so that they rejected Jesus, and so much so that they actually sent him to the cross. They distanced themselves from Jesus by being baited in the offense. Listen, it happens to us too. When we get baited in an offense towards another believer, towards an unbeliever, 
And get this, towards a child of God, which is what Jesus is, the son of God, when we get baited into offense towards another child of God, what we're doing is we're distancing ourselves from God and who he is and who he created and who he created us to be. You see this in the Pharisees. You see this in religious leaders. You see this in the hometown of Jesus as well. In fact, it goes on to another passage of Scripture, Matthew 13, 55 through 58. says this in verse 54, actually. 54 says, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Another passage of version of this says he could not do miracles there. Why? Because their offense led to a lack of faith. When we hold on to an offense, we're giving up our faith. You see this in his hometown. He was unable to bring them these healings. He was unable to do miracles. He was unable to do the work that he actually was called to do in his hometown because of their offense, because of their lack of faith. Jesus offended them, and they, again, they rejected him, and they walked away from him. In fact, if you look at one of the other uh, versions and actually one of the other accounts of this same story in Luke chapter 4, verses 28 through 30, the people not only rejected him, but they actually tried to throw him off the, the edge of a hill as well. Luke 4, 28 through 30 says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I like that. He just kind of slows through the crowd like, peace out, I'm out of here. Like, I'm not getting thrown off. But the crowd, again, they were offended, and their offense led to them rejecting him so much so that they actually wanted to kill him, so much so that they actually wanted to throw him off a cliff. This is crazy, but this is what offense can do. This is how serious it is if we're baited into it and we hold on to it, if we keep it, and we keep focusing on it rather than what God called us to do and focusing on the foundation. And listen, for some of us, this is where we find ourselves. We find ourselves holding on to an offense. And we're missing out on what Jesus has called us to do because of it. I think some of us, too, if you look at it, I think many times, uh, even if you look at it, Jesus offended his family, right? They called him crazy. They thought he was out of his mind. But for some of us, I think that's what our family does. They call us crazy, think we're out of our mind. Because a lot of times our biggest offenses actually come from those closest to us. And it's no different with Jesus. Jesus shows us this in each and every step of his life. I think it's amazing that how Jesus lived his life, he lived in a way that showed us that he's going to go through every single thing we're going to go through. We're going to offend people and people are going to offend us. And there's going to be the opportunity for us to be in trouble. There's going to be an opportunity for us to hold on to some of these things. And if you look at it, Jesus and everything he did, he showed us this way. Right? In fact, he even offended his, his followers. Right? Jesus, everything he said was never typical. In fact, he used to, and he would always say these tough words, which often irritated, irritated the leaders at that time and would irritate even his followers as well. One more example of this is in John chapter 6, verses 53 through 58. It says this. It says, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now, this is kind of a crazy verse. You're looking at it like, whoa, like Jesus, you sound like you're off your rocker here. We're eating flesh and blood. Like, this is how cults are started. Like, and yeah, like some of this goes over our head. But for them, during this time, for this culture, they looked at this and they understood this. And it was borderline heresy at that time. And so his followers, many of them got offended. For many of them, this was the last straw. This was the last straw. For those that didn't have a firm foundation, those that didn't truly know who he was, this was the last straw. And they actually, they, they said that this is a hard concept and they walked away. Verse 60 says, on hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard concept, a teaching. Who can accept it? And Jesus responds, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I love how Jesus just runs to the conflict. I'm the opposite. I will run away from conflict oftentimes, but Jesus just straight runs to it. He doesn't retract from it, but he confronts it, and he confronts them, and he knows that they've been living on this faulty foundation. So he exposes this foundation, and he gives them an opportunity really to, to see their hearts. But if you look at it, their foundation, again, wasn't quite stable, and it says that they walked away. John 6, 66, interesting verse number, right? But it says this, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It doesn't say a few of them. It says many of them turned back and no longer followed him. The offense built to the point where they did what many people do today. They just walk away. They walk away. They see their own selfish desires, and they quit and gave up. I think many times we do the same thing. And listen, if Jesus offended people, we're going to be offended by people as well. If Jesus offended his followers, the religious leaders, his family, then we're going to be offended by people as well. And here's what we can know about offenses. Offenses will reveal the weakness and breaking points in our life. Offenses will reveal the weakest parts of our life. Offenses will reveal really where the area that our foundation is faulty and what we're about to break. If you look at those, the followers, the hometown, his family, the religious leaders, it led to them rejecting who he was and what he could do. If you look at another follower, a guy named Judas, it led to his betrayal because he held on to an offense. And that offense that he held on to led to Judas actually selling Jesus out for a bag of silver. It led to him betraying, which actually in turn led to Judas's death as well, because of the regret and the remorse that he carried. Here's the thing with, with offense. When we hold on to it, it always leads to regret and remorse. You could look back, and some of your greatest regrets are probably areas that are tied to some of our biggest offenses. Because we acted upon the offense rather than the foundation of who Christ is in our life. I think we can look back and we can see where an offense caused us to break. We can look back and see where an offense caused a relationship to break, caused us to walk away, caused us to quit. And again, for some of us, it's our greatest place of regret. Because maybe you're here today, maybe you can look back on that right where you are. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're on the brink of that. 
Maybe today's the checkpoint of where your foundation really is. If you look at Peter, I would go so far as to say that Peter actually could have easily been offended and probably was offended many times by Jesus as well. But he didn't hold on to it. In fact, if you look at Peter, there's often times where Jesus said some harsh words to Peter. I mean, in Matthew 16, 23, he called him Satan. I don't know about you, but if I have a friend calling me Satan, I'm going to get a little angry in the moment, right? Matthew 6, 23 says, Jesus turned back and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block. Peter clearly could have been offended by this, and he probably actually was, but rather than holding on to the offense, he held on to the relationship that he had with Jesus. He held on to the knowledge that he had, on, had of Jesus. He held on to what had been revealed to him, and he didn't crumble because he had a firm foundation. In fact, if you go back when all the other followers left Jesus, right, when they all got offended and walked away, John 6, 66, what we just read, Jesus asked his closest followers after again, and Peter responds again in a way that showed that his foundation was built on him. John chapter 6, verse 67 says, You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Again, Jesus confronts them. He goes after the conflict. He doesn't beg them to stay. He goes after them and says, do you want to leave too? And then Peter answers. And Peter's wrestling with everything that everybody else had to wrestle with. He's experiencing this all. But Peter answers, Lord, to who shall we go? Lord, to who shall we go? Peter's like, what other foundation is there? And then he proclaims that we've come to know you and believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is why Peter is known as the stone. This is why Peter was able to have the church built upon him, because he had a firm foundation. And with a firm foundation, big things can be built. Right? Peter had a firm foundation because of that. Jesus used him to build the church, used him to spread the gospel, used him to spread the good news of Jesus. Right? Peter was known as a rock that would endure. That's what it means. Imagine if we could be known as a rock that would endure. For some of us, we're like these Jenga blocks. We crumble at any sign. We hold on to any offense. Anything that's mean is said to us, we hold on to it, and we let it shatter our faith. We let it shatter our relationships. But God's called us to be a rock. God's called us to be stable. God's called us to be able to be something that, can be, that things can be built upon. Here's what I know. How we react now actually makes a difference to our kids and to their kids' kids. Our foundation is building generations to come. How we respond, how people treat us makes a difference. And our kids are watching. Those younger are watching. If we don't have kids, the generation below you, they're watching you. And if you crumble, they're going to see, and they're going to hold on to that. Right? Imagine being like Peter, a rock that doesn't hold on to offenses, that isn't easily baited. Right? Our goal in life is never to go through life without actually being offended. We're going to be offended again. Right? Our goal in life is not to dodge any of those things. 
our goal in life is to be able to release it as quick as possible. And listen, I know for some of you guys, you have a story that goes beyond anything I can even imagine. For some of you, there's abuse by people that you should have been able to trust. And listen, I, I, I don't even want to pretend to say that I get it. All I can say is I'm sorry for you. But Jesus and the foundation of who he is can allow us to overcome those in time. And to do that, what we have to do is we actually have to hear his word. For us to build a firm foundation, for us to be able to let offenses roll off, for us to be able to let go of offenses, we have to hear his word. In fact, that's just the one application point I have for you, is that in order to build a firm foundation, we have to hear his word and listen to his word. I think it's really interesting when you look at Simon Peter. The name Simon means one who hears. The name Peter means a rock, a firm foundation. In order for us to be a rock, a firm foundation, we first have to hear we have to listen to the word of God. And we can hear the word of God in really two ways. Number one is that we can hear the word of God through the written word, which is the Bible. Right? The Bible is God's word. He gives it to us. Again, I'm plugging the Bible app. It's an easy way. I read it every single day. There's oftentimes, I will be honest, where I feel like I just read words and didn't get anything. And that's okay. Maybe you go through it and you're like, man, I'm just reading the Bible every single day, but I'm going through this dry spell. Here's what I know. The dry spell will actually show up later. Listen, when I was sitting in a hospital... Literally, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even move my head because, well, I would have died. Sitting in the hospital, I couldn't move. I couldn't even open my eyes. Things were messed up. There's verses going through my head that I never even knew that I had in me. Why? Because I was doing the things earlier, reading through Scripture earlier, and they were getting down into my heart and into my head, and they were pulled out at that moment. That's what happens when we hear God's Word. That's what happens when we listen to God's word. That's what when you look at the written word, when we see the Bible for what it is, it's God's word written to us, given to us today. The infallible word of God. Listen, the Bible is the inspired word of God, so we need to listen to it. We need to read it. We need to study it. Again, there's actually devotional reading plans that you can go through, that you can do every single day. But I challenge you to listen to the written word and then also listen to the revealed word. The revealed word is what Peter had. Again, if you look back at it, Matthew 6, 17, says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. Jesus was saying that God revealed to you some things that, that you hadn't actually seen, that hadn't been written down. God was just actually stirring in you. Right? Simon Peter had heard these things through God. He had seen who Jesus was through God. And there's some times I think God speaks to us. There's some God's times that God speaks through us, really through the senses. And it all happens when we hunger more for him. I saw him challenge you. I want to challenge you to listen to the revealed word of God. And that could be different things. God speaks to us through, through podcasts. I know he speaks through me through podcasts. He speaks to me through different sermons I hear sometimes. He speaks through me through conversations. Right? He speaks through me through, we call them life groups, but your grow groups that you have here. There's conversations, there's, a, there's relationships that God is going to use through those grow groups that he can't use otherwise. And he's going to talk through you to somebody, and he's going to talk through somebody else to you. There's times that you, you have to do that. I mean, think about it. Have you ever just gone through a season of life where you feel like God was stirring in you, like God was speaking to you about something? Listen, for us, when we started our Life Change Church, which was us, just a little bit over seven years ago, it was really about eight years ago when we felt God just speaking to us in multiple ways. It was like every single podcast that I listened to had to do with church planning. Every single sermon that I listened to had to do with church planning. Every single conversation that I had had to do with church planning. 
Here's what I know. None of those things actually had to do with church planning whatsoever, but God was speaking through them. I go back and I look at some of those sermons that were, they were actually a C3. I go back and look at them. None of those had to do with anything regarding church planning. But in that season, God was speaking to me and he was speaking through those things. It was the revealed word of God. And I fought it. And then finally my wife looks at me and says, hey, we're supposed to plan a church. And I mean, no, you can't fight when your wife speaks because you know that's the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> Husbands, I will tell you this. There's a lot of times the revealed word may come through your wife. And wives, well... Just listen to your husbands, too. It works. God speaks to us. I think God speaks to the person that's closest to us, honestly, because that's who we listen to. And sometimes we actually have to listen and not ignore it, and we have to use it and act upon it as our firm foundation. Here's what I know. I think this is going to sound weird, but there's some things that God reveals to us that's not in the Bible. I know that sounds heretical, easy, though, but I never read anywhere in the Bible where it said, Corbin, marry Sarah, my wife. But I know when we were going through the process of dating, when we were going through this, I knew that she was the one. As I prayed through it, I knew that she was the one. Why? Because God was revealing these things to me. There's some areas where God reveals things to us through the revealed word, but we have to listen to him. We have to be open to it. We have to allow him to speak through others. We have to allow him to speak through the things that we're going through, right? And when we do, when we listen to these words, both the written and the revealed word, we'll be standing on stable ground and a foundation will be built the foundation of who Jesus is in our life. Without a firm foundation, we'll easily be stuck into trials and tribulations. Without a firm foundation, we'll easily fall into offense and be trapped and baited into offense. Without a firm foundation, we're a prime candidate to be baited, to be trapped in the offense of who he is. The trapped in the offense that Satan wants us to fall into. Satan's schemes are pretty much the same over and over again. He likes to tell us lies, and he likes to make the little things bigger than what they really are. When our foundation is solid, we can see things from the perspective of God. We can see the bigger picture. My challenge for you is to build a firm foundation. Build a foundation in who Christ is, saying that you are the Christ, you are the Son of God, you are the Messiah. Hear his word. To build a firm foundation, hear his word. What I want to do is I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to build that firm foundation. Maybe here today, and maybe for you, maybe you've actually never said that before. Maybe you've never built a firm foundation and said it verbally or prayed it verbally that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world. And if that's you, what I want to do is I actually want to give you that opportunity, and I want to pray with you. So what we're going to do is we're just going to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you've never said that, Jesus, you are the Lord and the Messiah and the Savior of my life, what I want you to do, and if you want to right now, I just want you to simply raise your hand with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed. If that's you and you want to you accept Jesus as your Savior today, just so simply raise your hand. Yep. Cool. Cool. What we're going to do is we're going to pray, and I want everybody to repeat after this prayer so that nobody's praying alone. If you would, just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son for me to be the firm foundation in my life. And I accept your forgiveness and I forgive others with that same power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Simple Church. I'm so excited that I got to be here with you guys.
I will be over at the Connect Center if you guys want to talk. And if you did pray that prayer, I would love to speak to you personally as well. All right, can we give one more round of applause for Pastor Foreman? I thank you for being here. Um, before we leave today, we have one more opportunity, uh, a moment of worship. One of my favorites. It's a thing that gets me excited. It's a moment of reflecting on the things that God has given us and remembering all the times when we ate peanut butter and jelly every night of the week because that's all we could afford. And now our numbers are a little bit higher. It's time for uh, offering. So before you leave, um, there's a give box in the back. You're welcome to give. Uh, in person today, and if not, on the screen will be all the ways that you can give. I like to give on the Church Center app. If you don't have it, it's super convenient. If it's your first time here, if you're a guest, no one is judging you or watching you to make sure you give. We're just glad you're here today. But if you're ready for your next step and that next step for you is tithes and offerings, then we celebrate with you today. I celebrate. I like it. It's super fun. I know that sounds weird, but it is. All right, so before we go, let's pray for offering. Bow your heads with me. God, thank you for the ways that you've provided for us. And thank you for uh, those blessings you've given us in our lives. And we just give these blessings back to you today. And I pray that you would guide um, Simple Church to use those offerings well. In your name, amen. Thank you all so much. Welcome. Uh, we'll welcome you back again next week and next week, the 22nd, and in the evening at 6 p.m. is our ninth birthday shindig. And if you've been to one before, you know that it's fun and there's cake. So come bring your friends. It's a free show, guys. It's going to be great. And then the following week after that, I'll be here on stage if you want to watch me blabber a little bit. The 29th for child dedication. So if you haven't registered, Church Center app or visit us at the Connect Center and ask questions about how to do that. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.